I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders, Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. So what happens is you wait for an entire week, you go into a coordination meeting, maybe a construction coordination meeting, maybe an OAC meeting where you have owner architect, and all you're trying to do is you're discussing what happened over the past week. In a typical coordination meeting, you ask the subcontractors to stand up and color code how much work is done. Right. So from the time that that issue happens to the time that the PM on the job site, the superintendent really understands that problem, you've effectively lost one week of work. Hello, my name is Demetrius, and you are listening to Spaces Podcast Express. Thank you for coming back, everybody. In today's episode, we're getting into a construction conversation, speaking with Dr. Mani Golpavar. He's the CTO and co-founder of Reconstruct, a software as a service company that, in a simple explanation, helps you remotely monitor the progress of your construction. We touch on a number of areas where this can solve some problems, including obviously tracking the progress of the project productivity, scheduling, coordination, and communication between construction and design, and a number of other things. This is a software that I think not only helps the construction team, but after having the conversation, I think it'll actually provide a lot of value to designers as well, especially when you're still engaged in the project, particularly in a design-build format. So I think you'll probably want to reach out to Reconstruct after this episode. So make sure to check our show notes for all the links to their website and contact info. And with that, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Dr. Mani Gopavar. 
This is, uh, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Thank you very much for having me today. My name is Mani Gopavar. Um, I'm Chief Technology Officer and co-founder of Reconstruct. Um, I also wear a second hat. I'm a professor of civil engineering, computer science, and technology entrepreneurship at the University of Illinois. What it all really means is that I live at the interface of AI and construction, specifically artificial intelligence that deals with how we can analyze visual data, images, and videos that we all see being taken on construction sites on a daily basis. And I work with my colleagues to transform that data into actionable insights in terms of how much progress gets done on the job site, what is the quality of working place, um, and what is it at risk for potential delays. Yeah, this is such a fascinating company. Um, let's let's take a, a step back. Obviously, it's pretty clear we're we're having issues in the industry, um, particularly in the construction with labor, uh, the time to to make things happen, and several other things. But can you give me a little snapshot of what inspired you and your colleagues to to create Reconstruct? Absolutely. The problem that you're referring to is what I would call coordination and communication issue that we're all facing on the job site every day. Um, I was facing this problem myself in the field when I was practicing um, construction. And at the time that I formulated an idea about how we can solve this problem was when I was actually on the job site and I was in charge of managing daily construction reports. Um, I was working for a contractor That company, uh, we had about 1,500 projects um, a year. So a lot of projects we were performing um, of all size, right? And on each job, we had one or two field engineers that were being in charge of managing daily reports from the subcontractors, compiling them, and make sure that the owner, contractor, and our own team are on the same page in terms of how much work happens. Came across this problem. I noticed that we have folks that all they do every day is processing that data. And we are the mercy of whatever information we get from our subcontractors. And these folks tend to be sitting in the trailer. They don't actually walk out on the job site to see what is really happening. <laughs> uh, we don't trust that data because there's really not, not a whole lot of information that the subs are putting to these reports in the first place. So what happens is you wait for an entire week. You go into a coordination meeting, maybe a construction coordination meeting, maybe an OAC meeting where you have owner architect. And all you're trying to do is you're discussing what happened over the past week. In a typical coordination meeting, you ask the subcontractors to stand up and color code how much work is done, right? So from the time that that issue happens to the time that the PM on the job site, the superintendent really understands that problem, you've effectively lost one week of work. Not only you've lost that opportunity, but that feedback in terms of where work happened and how much work happened goes back into a 2D drawing that is usually sitting on the wall in a trailer. Where would you like to have that information in? Your schedule. You plan the project as a project manager, as a superintendent, and you hold people accountable for the execution of that plan. But guess what? The data doesn't go back to the plan. So when it comes to the time that you have to update the plan, instead of using that data, at best you're driving it what you would be calling engineering judgment. I have a feeling this is where the risk is. This is my perception of risk, and I'm going to be making changes on that plan based on how much work can be done. So if you think about this, there are several issues. One, our ability to plan the jobs properly, our ability to execute short-term plans, our ability to understand how much work was really done in the job site and closing that feedback loop between reality of the job site versus what was planned and using that data as a feedback to continuously improve uh, performance on your project. 
keeping your project on time and on budget. Are you connecting this data with a architect or engineer, or is it solely st- on the construction side at that at this point? It's a really good question. If you're following the logic I was presenting in terms of the problems that you're facing on the job site, really at the core of it, it's coordination communication, right? The fact that contractors, everyone who's part of the subcontracting team, owner, designer, they all need to be on the same page of what is the reality, what is the design, what is the delta between the two, or what is the reality, what is the plan, and what is the delta between the two. So, you know, when we started the company, we establish a philosophy for ourselves, which is we would offer our platform for every project with unlimited number of users by design. We are never going to be providing the platform in a form that users would be concerned about being able to invite other people so they can solve their coordination problem. So in principle, we love to have every party who's engaged in the project gets access to our visual data. So at any snapshot in time, they can contrast reality against design. So if you're the designer, if you're the architect, instead of receiving an RFI in, in from some favorite issue management system, and then what you have to do is you pick a phone and call the contractor to explain the context of that RFI, you would just log into the system and you would have immediate visibility of seeing your design, seeing what happened out in the field, being able to study the context of it with measurable data, see it from different viewpoints, and see if you can respond to that RFI in a more proactive fashion. Yeah, because uh, that's one of the biggest pain points, I think, for uh, from a designer perspective, I'm an architect, um, to know what's happening in the field without, because you're not always invited out to the field uh, due to budget constraints of an owner or whatever the case is, um, or if it's just a timing reason, you can't get out there fast enough and you're trying to connect the dots through an email or phone call without visually seeing anything. Then you have to get photos and there's all of this roundabout way to figure out what's happening. Then pull in a structural engineer to come up with the right solution and then get that back to the contractor. It's a nightmare every single time you have to go through that. You know, what is fascinating is that architects and engineers, we've kind of got used to it. <laughs> Let me present it to you from <laughs> the perspective of uh, budgeting. When you budget for a project, I mean, it's a very competitive space that you're operating in, right? And the margins of profit are pretty low. So we budget a given number of architecture hours, engineering hours that we're budgeting for the project. And we retain that relationship with the owner so we can respond to questions and RFIs that are coming from the construction. And we tend to underestimate that piece of work. (laughs) So we put in whatever number of hours. And then because the context of the work is not clear to us, or to your point, we don't walk on the job site because we are not representing the owner on the site. We're retaining that relationship. You don't have that visibility. So you spend more time understanding what led to that RFI in the first place, as opposed to being able to quickly respond to it. And that pain is... um, is something that we're passionate about solving. Yeah. So when these things are updated, um, when the BIM is updated, who do you foresee as the one to update that? Is it better for the contractor to update? Because a lot of large contractors now have someone that can operate BIM on their end, or is it the architect that manages that process? That's a really good question. Before I explain the process, perhaps I should clarify what exactly our product does from that perspective. 
when we receive um, images and videos from the job site, we automatically transform them into different views. Uh, a view of the site in 3D, a view of the site completely in 2D. So think about it as a floor plan, think about it as a map view of the site. Also at the same time, an image walkthrough experience that is probably very close to Google Street View. Now, any of these experiences can be contrasted in design in 3D or 2D and Reconstruct offers both. So if your project is completely led by a number of uh, issued for construction drawings that you've received, you can overlay your 2D reality with 2D design and compare reality versus design. If your project has been led by BIM and there's a BIM execution in plan, meaning the contractor is going to leverage BIM perhaps for MEP coordination, then you can also go ahead and overlay that BIM on top of that reality. So you can pick and choose whether you want to have a complete 2D experience, an experience that is driven by your BIM, or perhaps a hybrid of the two. Now in that context, making sure that your design is up to date, to your point, is extremely important. It varies for projects that we work on, uh, but the most important underlying factor here is to have access to a common data environment that the owner architect and the contractor have agreed upon that they would use as a single source of truth for design, whatever it is, 2D or 3D, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what we do is we try to tie our system against that. There are quite a few products that are dominantly used for that space. Uh, Autodesk Construction Cloud is a good example of that. Procore uh, is another one or Oracle Aconex. Uh, we have integration with these platforms. And what that means is the moment that the responsible party updates the base of design, a version of that design gets automatically provided within that environment. So if you're the contractor, you're the designer, you're the owner, whatever process that you've agreed upon to share your up-to-date design, in principle, our system should be able to bring that into the user interface. Let's take a brief break from this conversation, and we'll be back with more from Money after a quick nod to our sponsors. Hello, Spaces listeners. Demetrius here. The other day I was on Instagram and I saw Michelle traveling the world again. I think she was in London this time. Now, if you're a frequent traveler like her or want to live vicariously through a frequent traveler, our new sponsor is your ticket. Travel by Design, an original podcast from Marriott Bonvoy. In this podcast, host Hamish Kilburn, editor of Hotel Designs, speaks with architects, designers, and visionaries who dive deep into their designs and highlight what connects us to the world's most extraordinary travel experiences. If you know me, you know my passion for storytelling and audio production, and this show delivers. Their episode on El Mangrove, a hotel in the mangrove jungle in Costa Rica, really immerses you in the experience of the hotel. From a secluded overwater villa in the Maldives to a trendy hotspot in downtown LA, Hamish and the team do a great job highlighting the often overlooked nuances of design, the benefits design brings to guests, and by the end of each episode, I'm sure you'll want to travel. Beyond just the great quality and storytelling, these episodes are super easy to listen to. That Costa Rica episode is actually just over 12 minutes, so it's a great one to test out the show. Check out Travel by Design. All you have to do is simply scroll down to our show notes, click the Travel by Design link, and easily listen today. Hey, Demetrius here. 
As you may know, Spaces is part of Gable Media, the next evolution of interactive media and resources for the AEC community and beyond. Gable empowers AE professionals just like you to better serve the world. Now, through the strategic development of a brand new membership platform, we are eliminating the traditional industry boundaries and information bottlenecks that we all experience. But we need your help. Please go to gablemedia.com members and pick your top three initiatives that you believe will have the greatest impact on your growth, including a continuing education program, VIP access to expert forums and private Q&As, community boards, special freebies, and more. Go to gablemedia.com members and let us know what you'd like to see. Small firm entrepreneur architects, get ready to build a better business with the Entree Architect podcast, where business meets architecture. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, the host of Entree Architect podcast. Join me every week for inspiring interviews with passionate people that share proven strategies to help you build a better business. If you think there is a problem, one, you can't make a move until you have a plan in place. The accountability chart really helps plan, okay, for the business six to 12 months out, this is what we need. We cover it all from financial management to marketing, sales, productivity, and beyond. There's two sides of it, right? So there's the one when you don't have any work. So you're like, well, I'm either going to charge enough to be profitable or I'm going go to go out of business. Or you have so much work and you have backlog and you don't need any more work. So you charge way more. I'd also say lagging measures, one of the best like the best, best, best. <laughs> so for any client, for any professional service um, company, if you're going to take one thing away from what we're talking about today is to look at a number called the labor efficiency ratio. Entree Architect is not just a podcast. It's your secret weapon for success. With over 500 episodes, it's one of the longest running architecture podcasts in the world. You're sure to find the information you need to elevate your business. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe now and join the community of small firm entrepreneur architects building better businesses. How, how are you capturing this reality? When we started Reconstruct, uh, we wanted to make sure we do not add new work to solve that problem of coordination, communication, the underlying problem. And what that meant is to tap into whatever set of images and videos are already available on the job site. Now, over the years, uh, there's been a lot of uh, change in technology, particularly hardware devices that are commodity for taking images and videos. If I want to summarize that, I would probably say there are six different forms of reality capture that we see on job sites today. One, people love to use their cell phone devices. <laughs> they walk around, <laughs> take pictures, they take videos, I'm sure if you or anybody else who's listening to this podcast has ever walked on the job site, you see many things, uh, you would like to document them. If you're visiting it, you just want to document progress. If you have a safety eye, you want to catch safety items. If you are interested in quality issues, you would be documenting them. So for all kinds of purposes, we take pictures. So that's one body of visual data that we want to tap into. The other one is sometimes we actually assign someone to be dedicated with the task of a structured capture. Whether you walk around and you take pictures in certain locations, 
whether you bring in a service company to do that photography for you, there's a process in place for at the cadence, um, the visual data is being captured on the site. The third type is time-lapse cameras. Many companies love to have these cameras installed on their site so they can get remote visibility, especially owners and architects. When it comes to indoors, 360 cameras are extremely popular. You can purchase any of these cameras with a few hundred bucks and you can put it over your hard hat, walk around and videotape. The beauty is that these cameras give you an immersive experience in front of you, back, left, right, top, bottom, all being captured with one walkthrough. So it minimizes time spent out in the field. Drones, that's the number five category. Construction, interestingly, is the number one market for drones. I mean, when I think about where we started from, you know, my own uh, practice, I mean, aerial photography was a thing for us. You know, it's hard to hear these days that anybody's getting access to aerial photography. You just, you know, contract out uh, drone operation or you train your own people to operate a drone. Pretty straightforward process. And the most extreme case of um, high precision data is laser scan data, where when it comes to plumbness, flatness measurement, this device can actually give us really good captures that can be used as a base of that QAQC process. So what we do at Reconstruct is no matter what form factor of visual data you have, we take that in and we automatically transform that into the reality map that we generate for the site. And that means in simple terms, a three-dimensional mesh model, a three-dimensional point cloud for the uh, people who are listening to the podcast who are not familiar with, that means a cloud of three-dimensional points, literally points that are extracted from the surface of the object. Also floor plans and map views completely in 2D and a sort of a Google Street walkthrough experience. We can generate that from any of these form factors of data. The one that is um, usually not well-tuned for mapping purposes is the time lapse, but apart from the time lapse, every single form factor of the data would give you ability to capture space and time and generate reality models. That's cool. Is there a person that manages that process of stitching this together or is it AI? How do you, how do you guys handle that? It's completely automated. Uh, it's a body of artificial intelligence that we call computer vision. And what that means is analyzing images and videos to understand context of the scene, understand the geometry of the scene, understand semantics behind objects that we are observing in the scene. The principles behind it, you know, have been in the works from a scientific perspective for quite a few years. And the body of knowledge on that front matured uh, at the time that, you know, we wanted to start the company. The other co-founder of the company and myself, uh, we have been working on these concepts for many years. And uh, it's really simple. When we get a sequence of images or video frames that have overlaps, that means they are looking at the same scene, we try to find interesting points in the scene and we try to mathematically characterize those points and we run a number of optimizations on them. The outcome of that is mapping these interesting points within the three-dimensional space and automatically finding location and viewpoint of each video frame against that. A body of work that we call it structure from motion. Very simple, motion of the camera helps us understand the structure. And that's been the body of uh, work that we've been um, focused on. This absolutely needs to be automated. We work on thousands of job sites and the amount of data that we get on it every day is growing by minute. <laughs> yeah. um, so sometimes we get projects that 
upload videos, hours of videos for a week. Sometimes we get jobs that somebody dedicated, typically a superintendent or field engineer, has walked in for about 10, 15 minutes, really quick video capture. It really depends on the type of job we are operating. We work with data center projects. We work with pharmaceutical companies. We work on commercial sector, all the way down to small multi-site projects, McDonald's, Kohl's, and many other uh, retail stores. So we get data in different form factors and uh, volumes. Wow, that is amazing. This is the future. Now, the other part of the company is that that project scheduling and the productivity. How do you layer that that part into it? So I want to go back to the conversation we had on the problems, right? The problems of planning, monitoring what happens, and using that data to close a feedback loop between planning, monitoring, and controls. So if you think about it, as I pointed out earlier, the data that we capture from the field in terms of how much work was really done should go back to the schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our you know, underlying philosophy is when there's a schedule available, uh, we should allow that to be uploaded into our platform, tied against the design model, so we can show a snapshot of how much work is expected to be done at any given point in time. So broadly, the process will be tying in the schedule activities uh, against the model elements. Um, so we can create a sequence of work that is expected to be done. That's something that the user does within our web-based environment. So without having any images and videos, you literally get an animation of the work. Um, and that animation is typically color-coded based on trade responsibilities. For example, uh, you know, for fire uh, protection sprinkler system, we color code them in red. For HVAC uh, mechanical work, we color code them in you know green, electrical in yellow, and so on and so forth. So every day, you can see who is expected to do what work in which location, and that can be easily contrasted against the reality, meaning images and videos. It's really important for us to make sure we don't interrupt that process that project teams follow for scheduling. So we have bi-directional integration with some of the most dominant scheduling solutions in the market, specifically Oracle Primavera Cloud or P6. So we take that data and we can use that as a base of work. Oftentimes, uh, people also upload uh, Excel spreadsheets (laughs) as a base of a schedule. There are a number of reasons for that. So we can layer different form factors of a scheduled data to make sure whatever customer has, whatever the user has, we can take advantage of that without changing their workflow. Wow. Before we get out of here, anything else that I may have missed that you would want to mention? Um, when I think about adoption of technology, now I'm wearing my construction hat. The first question that always pops in my mind is what is the value to me and what is the value to my project? So what would you get if you take advantage of your reality data take advantage of your design data and integrate them in a platform like Reconstruct. At a really high level, what it does is it puts the contractor, subcontractors, and owner on the same page in terms of what is happening on the site. And there are tangible values to that, and there are intangible values. Uh, The most tangible value is that those executives that want to have visibility to the site, they no longer need to travel to the job site as frequently as they used to do in the past. You log in and you can immediately go to level two, you can see the latest capture, you can teleport yourself into level five, and you can essentially do time travel. So you can see before and after at any point in time. Uh, Of course, you know, the less tangible is that site awareness that you get. Now, 
when you contrast design against reality, you can also benefit from this platform for quality control. So we do have quite a few case studies um, that we've been able to minimize change orders that are very common from the subcontractor perspective, that there's a miscommunication on the design, subcontractor comes with a change order. When we coordinate the work around design and we provide this type of visibility ahead of time, we can be very proactive about it, right? So we can minimize the chances of these change orders down the road. And of course, the value to that persona, the director of quality control superintendent is spending less time doing high frequency quality control inspection of your concrete placement operations, of your MEP installations, to make sure you catch issues before you end up reacting to them as a rework. So we actually have um, a case study on how many hours a week we can save on the FTE side of spending time in the field and doing quality control. The last piece of it is progress monitoring. The value, if you think about this entire workflow, it's all about making sure the project is on time and on budget. We have a case study in a project we did uh, in Chicago where uh, we measured being proactive about identifying risk and having the team take actions based on the insight that they're generating from the data. So we were able to uh, dramatically improve percent plan complete that was being planned on every week, and that was measured. At the same time, um, if there are superintendents in the audience, they would probably relate to this pretty well, that you know we are in the habit of chasing down subs to get numbers from them, how much work you did, how much work you did, and you no longer need to do that. You would log in, and visual data speaks the truth. It literally shows you what's going on. Now, the last piece that also equally excites me is we're always concerned about our as-built deliverables. You know, if you're a construction professional, you're always uh, wanting to make sure all those changes, all those RFIs are properly accommodated for, and you offer the owner, operator, a version of the truth that can be used for facility management, operation maintenance, maybe asset management purposes. What we offer gives you that entire historical record that can serve as a basis of everything you want to do in the future. So today, what excites me is when customers come to us and they want to use us on projects, they preserve access to our platform for five and in many cases these days, 10 years beyond construction. And that Uh means now you have access to this wealth of data that is simple enough that your facility managers can also use it. You want to see that air handling unit, you want to look into that HVAC controller, you can immediately log into the platform and you teleport yourself into that location and there's nothing 3D that you need to worry about. There's a picture. The picture is measurable. You see the picture, you can annotate it, you can mark it up, you can tag an asset, you can access to warranties. Uh, that ROI assessment and thinking, why am I, you know, interest should be interested in this and what is the value to me is something that um, we would be happy to share. Wow. That is such a great point because um, I'm thinking like, even just in the in the maintenance of the building, when you're like, oh, where was that pipe running through exactly? Because I need to, I'd like to precisely cut here and not have to demo an entire wall to figure out where things are, to be able to look back into that construction and see exactly where something is would be phenomenal. What is behind the wall? What is under this slab so I don't hit the rebar if I have to drill through it? And what is, where are my underground utilities? <laughs> These yeah. are all questions that you can easily answer. Wow, that's great. So what's next for a reconstruct? Is this available for everyone right right away? Yes, um, we um, have been uh, commercial for quite a few years and we've expanded to thousands of projects in all continents. Uh, many projects are stretching from Japan, Australia, all the way up to uh, you know 
projects that we do across um, uh, United States. Um, yes, this is something that is currently available and every sector of the industry has used it. So we've done it enough that there's cases study for every project sector and every persona. And the best way of thinking about it is trying it out. If you have an interest in trying it out, reach out to us. We'd be happy to define, you know, what are the goals that you want to achieve with it so we can set, you know, targets that are measurable. And the moment that you start benefiting from your own data and transforming into actionable insight, hopefully you can see that you can truly achieve those objectives. That's fantastic. All right. For the, for the listeners uh, to follow along with you, what's the best way to, uh, for them to follow along with Reconstruct? reconstructinc.com reconstructinc.com you can email us at our support at reconstructing.com or info at reconstructing.com info and we'd be happy to engage with you in any conversation that you desire and social media if you have any questions if you want to follow us and see what are the videos and what our customers are saying about us uh there are quite a few videos that we've published and we continue to be present on various form factors of social media platforms okay great thank you so much manny i really enjoyed this and thank you to the listeners for listening we'll talk again on the next one thanks thanks again for listening don't forget to check out our sponsors by checking them out and supporting them you help us keep this show going Thank you again to Travel by Design for their support of this episode. Behind the facade of every world-class hotel, there's a story waiting to be heard. Make sure you hear that story by simply scrolling down to our show notes and click the Travel by Design link to listen today. Thanks again for listening. Spaces is part of the Gable Media Network. You can check out similar content at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. If you enjoy our show, you can support us in three simple ways for free. You can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on your podcast app if it allows you to. Tell a friend and follow us on social media. Thanks for spending time with us. Talk soon. Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host Patrick McLaney, FAIA former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise. From 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor 
whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK, the three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm.